welcome to the Naked Podcaster. Get ready to hear stories of someone brave enough to bear it all. Let's get naked. Welcome <laughs> to the Naked Podcaster. I have Christina Rienzi on here, just like the pasta sauce. <laughs> How are you today? I'm great. How are you? I am really, really awesome. Your website is ChristinaRienzi.com. We always have all the, the show notes and the links in our description, but tell me all about ChristinaRienzi.com. So ChristinaRienzi.com is recently transformed. Like I, you know, always I'm hoping to do in life is grow and change, right? Um, so currently it's kind of split between my author life because we're more than one thing, right? So yes. I'm an author, which it was primarily up until recently, which I switched it more to a nonfiction coaching base. Mm. Um, so it's a little bit about my coaching um, philosophy, passion, drive to help others, and a little bit about my writing, which is also a passion of mine. And if you go there, you'll see that it's all about finding your inner spark and lighting it up and being the best you can be and overcoming obstacles and all that good stuff. And there's also the books in there too, fiction right now, but I am working on some nonfiction. So my, really my website is about inspiration. I'm always hoping no matter what I do, even through my fiction, I hope to inspire, entertain a little bit, but also inspire and motivate and help and be supportive and be just a force of good as much as I can be. You're not an author just one time. You have adult paranormal, adult science fiction, domestic thrillers. Tell me about all of your books. And the question I always ask is, and then Among Us is coming, I think, right? Or It's out. It's it in is audio. Out. Yeah. Oh, yes. It's audio, okay. regular ebook. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So the question I like to ask when I see four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, are you 10 books? I think um, at this point, it's funny, I have to count because I always have ones on my laptop that I'm about to finish. Yep. Um, I have seven and okay. eight in the making. Okay. Okay. So where would you start? If I had to download one and I could only do one, where would you start me? So I wouldn't even, and honestly, it's only because it's my, and I hate to pick a favorite. Isn't that uh, It's not a favorite. Okay. <laughs> okay. It's not a favorite. I love all my books. But my, the one that has been the most exciting for me, and I would say just start with the latest, is Among Us, because okay. I feel like there's a little bit of the main character in all of us, that little bit oh. of, I want to you know, show up in the world of who I need to be, but there's this other person inside of me that I want to be, and I'm excited by that, and I'm going to go on this adventure. Um, and it's also a little bit about government conspiracy, a little bit of science fiction, um, a lot of fast-paced and um, relevant stuff from Freedom of Information Act and other things that are factual. Mm. So I do think if you're not quite sure where to go and you don't, I don't, you know, you're not sure if paranormal's your thing or sci-fi or whatever, Among Us is probably a, a great book to start with, you know, just to get a sense of who I am as an author and what kind of stories you're gonna get out of me. I usually, this is actually, I can make this kind of a blanket statement. It has been my experience when an author has like more than three or four books, when they have several of them, um, I'll start with one and I'm always downloading more. Mm -hmm. You know, if because, you like it, if it's for yeah. you. 
And I always say that like, I am the worst author seller. Like I'll go to a, a, I literally will go to a signing. And in the beginning I was bringing my husband and he would be like, would you stop? Cause I would go, are you sure you want to buy that? Did you read the back? Is it for you? Cause I'm like, I don't want you to buy it just cause you know, you like the cover, read the blurb, make sure it's for you. Like, I really want people to read my books that are interested. Like not just because you know, I don't know. I just, that's who I am. And I know that probably doesn't sell a lot of books, but I'd rather like, if it's interesting to you, that's great. But yeah, I'm always double checking. And he's like, would you stop? <laughs> don't, stop. don't do that. Stop. Stop. <laughs> like I'm a bad salesperson. I'm, I'm not I'm born totally, for sales. I am hundred percent agreeing with your husband. Right? Like, yes. Well, I, I mean, I had one woman on that had 17 books and I'm like, it, that's overwhelming to me. I'm not downloading 17 books. It's not going to happen. Where can I start? Where, where how do you break this down for someone who's coming on board now and hasn't followed you from the beginning? And I think also some authors don't realize how much of a progression you've had in your journey that, well, there was a beginning. And so you do, you have different topics, mm -hmm. but no, worst salesperson ever. You're not your own assistant. That's work. Yeah, no, I'm just it's like, and it's okay. That's who I am. And I, I exactly. like embrace that. It is what it exactly. is. <laughs> and you also have a newsletter. Mm -hmm. Yes. So. so I send out my newsletter. It's an email. I call it an email list. Cause I hate I, I, the formal newsletter. I used to do like every month and now I just do like a check-in email every two weeks. And it's really I really try to make it relevant to what's going on and inspirational and personal. And I want to hopefully give people something to walk away with that's positive. It isn't just, mm -hmm. here's what I'm doing. Cause it really, as an author, it was a lot of like, here are my books and you know, here's a little bit of what I'm doing. But I think with um, my coaching and focusing on that a little bit more, it gives me the liberty to go down the inspirational kind of helpful road a little more. And so, yeah, I just, I work on them. They mean something to me. They come from the heart. They're real, they're mm -hmm. true. And I really hope that whoever reads them, it, you know, it sparks something inside of them that, you know, helps them in some way. I want you to talk a little bit about the psychology, the leadership and the coaching. Sure. So that's a lot. Um, right? I know. Like, we I, time. I, over my life, I'm like, what have I done? I don't know what I did this morning. What did I do? And I'm a new exactly. mom of a little a 13 month old. So I'm just like, my brain is kind of fried. No, but, yeah. Um, no, that, yeah. that so part's I'm like, what is, who am I? What's my name? Um, but yeah, so I started out my love. I've always wanted to be a psychologist. That was like my, my growing up, it was either author or psychologist. And I did, a, Me too. did the author thing, the psychologist, I got halfway there. I have my master's degree, but I didn't go on for my PhD. But, um, yeah, so the psychology background really was about, I was always interested in the human mind, how it works and how it yeah. affects behavior and more in I don't know if it's importantly or more like specifically, I guess I should say, is I was really interested in abnormal psychology. Um, you know, what makes somebody do something that's not considered good or is taboo or is evil, let's say. Um, and what makes them do that and where does that come from? And in order to get there, there is a level of not only education and understanding, but empathy you have to have even for the worst of the worst, right? When you're going through that, because essentially coming out at the other end is like as a therapist, which I was for sure, a period of time or becoming a psychologist or if you uh, however you go down that road um, you have to be able to um, connect and support and understand your patients and be non-judgmental yeah. so I um, that helped me a lot with that and having respect for mental illness 
um, and knowing that not all crime is from a mental illness perspective per se, but that there are people who, you know, that it does, it, there can be people who have a little bit of both. And then there's also the like, I don't know what's going on with you, but what you did was, was truly wrong. And how, can I understand you a little bit more? So mm -hmm. um, oddly, that was where I was driven. Um, and then the coaching. And so that, so let me be real clear about the difference between like therapy and coaching, right? So therapy and psychology takes you from dysfunction and trauma, okay, to function. Coaching takes you from function to optimal performance. So as I went on in life and realized like I'm really not, I'm better suited to help somebody get to where their best place is versus I really was getting a little, it was difficult for me to deal with difficult issues with people. Like mental illness was really hard on me. I was young and I was a positive, motivated, driven, passionate person. And I was sad and got attached in a way that I feel like I couldn't handle it. I was too young to handle it. And that was me. Not all 20 year olds are bad therapists. They're probably fantastic. I wasn't what I wanted to be. So I, I went down the, the, the coaching road. Um, yeah. And leadership is just you know, being in corporate America and having the psychology background, I landed myself in human resources and I quickly decided I knew I wanted to be a leader and I wanted to figure out what that looked like. And I didn't like the leaders I saw around me and I wanted to be different. And I wanted to use what I knew in psychology and bring that to the table. And um, a lot of that now is coming out and in, in you'll hear people talk about Brene Brown and, and, and the way she um, is training people on leadership. I've been learning that kind of stuff all my career and really trying to implement it. It's just um, a lot of times you're alone um, in, corp you know, in the corporate world in, mm -hmm. in trying to do that. But I believe in, um, in being a good leader means connecting with your people, having empathy, compassion. Yes, there are boundaries and rules, but it's also about being a human yeah. and that you cannot take that away. And that, um, there, you know, that, that takes training and experience. And we're, we're recording this during a pandemic. Somebody could listen in five years, you know, but we're recording this during this, this odd pandemic and things have changed a lot through that too, as far as working with people. Cause my next question for you is going to be about the human services publishing, um, the, like the job that you have aside from your website. And how do you see a shift now in that leadership and in that empathy and in that compassion where now so many people have to work online? Like we had a huge shift to online where people mm -hmm. weren't working for a while. Was there a shift in your perspective in, in that? Yeah, I think that there's disconnection and disengagement. Yeah. And it takes people being even a stronger and, and more present leader and being even more than they were before. And if you didn't come to the table with it, it's really hard to get it now. Um, a lot of what I'm doing besides my day job, which is handling, you know, all employee stuff, you know, employee, right. everything. Um, I run a department for HR and also publishing, which is our, our web, like communications. Um, it's really about inspiring people to stay connected, to make sure they're taking care of themselves, mm -hmm. that um, yes, of course you have to do your job. We understand that, but this is so much bigger than that. Like that's, num everybody's doing their job. I'm not worried. I'm more worried about the human beings that are alone, yes, disconnected, right. not seeing their friends, not maybe talking to their manager as much as they should, maybe needing some mental health services and aren't asking for them. Um, I, that upsets me and worries me and I always mm -hmm. want to be checking in. So actually I just this week wrote an article on well-being um, 
because I took a class, Science of Wellbeing um, Online, which is a free course offered through Coursera. It was um, the number one course at Yale and anybody can take it and it's awesome. And I wrote about that because I thought, you know what, for something that's free and we all need this right now, um, we should be trying to do these things to, to just get ourselves in the right mind space to work. I always say this, you know, we were not meant to do this as human beings, we weren't meant to live behind a computer screen. That's not what we're born for. We're social creatures. We're meant to be engaging with each other and being together in person. We're yeah. not meant to, you know, this is part of what we do, but it can't be all of what we do. And the added problem is that we, ha we are limited. Like from the pandemic standpoint, we are limited in what we're able to do outside of the home. Um, and so that puts pressure and it's just a completely new world. And I do feel like people are, some people are handling it, you know, like the best way. Everyone's handling it the best way they can. Let me just say that. There's no right. way. Okay. If you're doing the yes. best thing you can. I think that there are some people that will not recover from this. There's going to be mental health issues that don't ever go away. There yes. are some that will have brief mental health issues and they'll recover. And I don't know what that trigger is, but I worry about that because I think we're just, that's a piece of this no one's really dealing with. No kidding. I'm glad that we touched on that. And people need to, I think it's, it, uh, especially women, self-care is already an issue and um, asking for help is an issue <laughs> for lots of women. And then you're put in this new situation where you really need to advocate for yourself far more than you ever have before. And I mm -hmm. see the same thing. Sure. So I, I want to talk about something that you wrote. Okay. Okay. You said, well, it's, it's third person, but she believes in all things paranormal, a closet full of designer bags, weekly manicures, the law of attraction, aliens, angels, and the value of a graduate degree in psychology. I was like, my people. <laughs> <laughs> my bio, which is ever changing because uh, I'm ever changing. It's okay. Yeah. The core of me is who I am. Yeah. The core of you is, I just want to see your closet now, get a manicure with you. <laughs> yeah, you can come over. It's really, it's, it, I love it. I'm not going to lie. And there are, I, you know, I did learn in the science of well-being that buying things doesn't make you as happy as experiences, but some yeah. things like my bags make me happy over and over again, year over year. Give me joy. I'm not going to lie about it. <laughs> I think that there's a, I mean, I'm a minimalist, but I think that there's a balance between the things that bring you joy that are like, I don't need to shop and consumerism is terrible to like, yeah, I need another pair of jeans. So right, it's exactly gonna, like it's going to happen. There's exactly. definitely a balance, but I love that part of your bio. And if it screams you, then that is just so fun. Mm -hmm. Awesome. I want to jump. I want to go back in time. Take me okay. back in time. Let's grow up together. I'm scared. No, I'm scared. <laughs> Well, I know there have been some things more recently and some of it, well, you mentioned, um, your daughter was born in 2019 and you got your, uh, professional coach training. So we kind of touched base on both of those, but I want to take it back further and talk about some of the struggles in life that got you, um, writing about the stuff that you're writing about and doing the things that you're doing. Mm-hmm. So let me think. There's so many. Um, and I should know these off the top of my head because of, you know, my No, just background. jump back but, in time in your story, yeah. where, wherever you want to start. So, but really, I think if I had to think about it, I've always been a reader and a writer, even mm -hmm. just always written short stories, but I've always written dark stuff. And if I had to tell you why, because I wasn't, listen, I grew up in a home and I'll be very honest, 
two loving parents. I was blessed an only child. I wasn't, so I was spoiled with love. We didn't have a ton of money, but we weren't like poor either. We were just, you know, a regular working class family who my parents were good people, um, who loved me. And that's, I can just say I'm blessed beyond belief for that. Um, but, um, with that same thing being said, I did, my, my parents did have me older and an older age, which I'm now thinking about this stuff with my daughter. And so many of my family members within a very short period of time, when I was like 12 to 14 passed away. And it was like one after the other, like boom, 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 boom. And literally within two years, there were, there were uh, many significant family members, grandparents and aunts and uncles that had passed away. And why I think this is important is because I think it definitely did shape my view of the world and what I knew. I grew up very quickly because of that. I started to really contemplate life and death, what it meant to be alive, what death was, spirituality. Um, and then I also was very, always very open to, to um, and I paranormal, I use loosely, but really open to like, what is possible in life? What's out there? Um, and the darkness too, it's like trying to deal with that when you're a kid, you don't understand you understand that people die, but like when it's people close to you that you love so much and you're so close with, and there's so many of them within months of each other, like my grandmother, then my aunt, then my uncle, then my aunt, then my uncle, like it's like boom, 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 boom. And then a you know, year to year period, um, it does have an effect on, it did have an effect on me, I should say. Um, and I think that's where a lot of my kind of, I, I'm an introvert, believe it or not. I mean, I am very social. I am out, I'm outgoing to a, to a, a point, but I do, get my energy from being alone. And so a lot of my alone time was spent contemplating these kinds of things. I do think part of that probably fed my anxiety, like a fear of dying and a fear of like, am I going to go to sleep and not wake up? Um, because I didn't understand um, as much as my parents. I mean, my mother was the kind of person that would be like, something happened. Let me sit and spend an hour explaining it to you. Like I never like was kept in the dark, but it still is an emotional thing to have to go through as a, as a child. Um, and again, that wasn't like necessarily traumatic. It was just something that shaped who I am today and the things I look into. And so my big thing when I'm writing is embrace the unknown. I always say that and that's kind of like my, was my like author tagline. And, but I, but truly it is the way I try to write and the things I write about fiction wise, but also how I try to live my life. When I find myself afraid and holding back, I try to like, I, I need to work on myself to let go. Cause I want to be able to go like, you have no control. You need to just take a breath, let it go. And you need to embrace whatever will come. And sometimes the things that come are not good and they're not happy and they don't feel good and they're upsetting. But that is my, that was my life experience in that moment. And I am going to embrace it and figure it out and hopefully learn from it. And maybe it will scar me, but and maybe it won't. I don't, you know, you just don't know. You actually don't know how you're going to react to things till they happen to you. <laughs> I mean, I always, like, I know that that sounds so cliche, but it is so true. So, um, but I do try to live my life that way and go like, I need to embrace what I don't know is going to be because otherwise I'm living my entire life in fear of the unknown. And I don't want to be afraid of it because some wonderful things can happen as I've also learned. The, under, the unknown can be magnificent. It can be terrifying, but it can be magnificent. And you don't really have control many times over that. So why go through life gripping, you know, your steering wheel, white knuckled? Like why go through life like that when life is so fleeting as it is? Like, let's just try to live in some kind of a peaceful state if we can. It is not, it's easier said than done like everything else, but. 
what did the lose so you said you lost a lot of people and that affected you and you were did you discuss your fears did it did you have any paranormal experiences with all those deaths no um, yeah i mean i going. didn't personally but i heard of family members who did and i was afraid to have them ah okay okay, yeah. okay. i didn't want them I was terrified because I didn't understand, you know, but I did hear of family yeah. members who had them and it, it affirmed for me that, pe that it, it, well, it, for me, my belief system, it affirmed for me that life goes on mm -hmm. right in a spiritual sense. Um, but I didn't, and I remember saying like to my family members, specifically my grandmother, who I loved, I could cry about losing her to this day. And I lost her when I was 14. Um, she was like a second mother to me. I remember saying to her, like, I don't even know if it was just in my mind or out loud, like, please do not show yourself to me because I don't think I can handle it. Like, I right. love you, but I don't want to see you. I'm afraid. I'd be afraid. You know, I was too young. I was 14. Yeah. Um, I started losing people like around 12. I think, you know, between those two years was like, and she was the biggest, like closest person to me to lose. But um, yeah, I mean, I think it, I talked about it with my mom. I've talked about it with family. Like we have a strong, my mother is very religious. We had a strong belief system in, you know, when you pass away, this is what happens. You know, you go to heaven or, you know, you're with God and, you know, whatever our, you know, this is our religious beliefs and um, all of these things that she, I could understand at my age, you know, she yes. gave me to understand, but she never held anything back from me because I was also a very curious child and I wanted to know things. And I, um, but I also, on the flip side of that, internalized a lot of things. Like I never, I was always the kind of kid that I never want to burden anybody. So I didn't like put things on other people. I try to figure it out myself. Well, it, it being introverted and internalizing things means you're constantly doing that. Because on the opposite, people give me energy and I, I have to talk to process. Like I cannot, if I, if it's my brain, I'm going to go crazy. Right. So I'm the polar opposite in how I process, which makes me know and understand that you as somebody who is more introverted and processes internally, you're going to, that's a constant loop for you. Right. And you won't necessarily reach out and ask. So um, it, and it is interesting because we, you and I could have been like sisters a year apart and had a completely different experience mm -hmm. because of who we are and how we, you know, delete, distort, generalize all of that stuff when we're going through experiences. So I think that's really fascinating and incredible. Dive into, so you started writing and it was dark when you were younger. Yeah. It's funny because my first, like, I don't remember a lot of, I remember reading like ghost stories when I was a kid and, and like, I was always interested in like, my mother would love to unsolved mysteries and I want to, I watched it with her. Like, that was like, I'm so into that. I'm still so into that, by the way. Um, and I just, I don't know. I loved things that scared me a little bit, but intrigued me like, mm -hmm. okay. And it safely, safely scared yep. me. Yeah. I don't want to be, you know, sitting next to a serial killer, but I will watch one on TV or read about one. So like, I really, but I really did just want to understand, you know, it, it helped me to a little bit like understand like what else is out there, you know, in life. But um, yeah, so my first short story I wrote, it's so funny. It was fifth grade and I remember getting like some kind of award or accolade for it. And like, you know, they asked, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I said, author, like it's one of those things, you know, it was like a little story on the construction paper back then. It wasn't anything, you know, you wrote the whole thing out, but I remember the story. I remember it being about a medallion that was cursed. And I remember the ending. I remember at the end, the little boy, it was a little boy left it in like, like threw it on the street and, and left it alone. And somebody picked it up at the end. And then that's where it ended. 
like whoever picked it up, like that was going to continue to bring them bad luck. It brought you bad luck. Um, fifth grade, like, and I was, again, not into, like, I was a happy kid. I read, I played with Barbies. <laughs> I was like, I was like, you would not think anything was going on. Um, it just intrigued me. It intrigued me. I don't know. <laughs> Did I, your parents ever get the call? Like, we're a little concerned about no. Christina. Oh, that's good. That's yeah, good. Yeah, because in you... school, I was a social butterfly with my friends. Like, I mean, an introvert by nature, meaning I need my energy would be depleted when I come home from school and I need to sit in my room and read for eight hours. But I was like, I would get in trouble for talking too much. And, and like, I was a happy kid. Just like, yeah. you know, but just it's what you think about. Like, I go deep in my head. And in my stories, that kind of stuff comes out. Because I go deep in my head and I... I just start thinking, what if this and what if that? And, and then I scare myself and I'm like, okay, this is good. Keep going. <laughs> well, know? I get, see, and anyone scare yourself, you're going down the right road <laughs> for a thriller, you know, like keep that scaring is. yourself. Like, yeah. So it's fun, but, um, but yeah, it is fiction and it, but life does get played out through fiction. And I think that auth that's what authors do. I think many authors are playing things out through their fiction that like they say that nightmares are 90% of your dreams are nightmares and that they are really just a way of like for evolutionary purposes, preparing you for what might happen in life so that you've experienced it already, right? In a dream. So I feel like when you're writing, it's almost an extension of that where it's like we're writing these horrible things so that we can overcome them through our characters. And then the readers are then reading to overcome through the characters. It's like we're all kind of doing our own little transformation by going through something in fiction with someone that isn't a real person, but that is, has human capabilities and is presenting as somebody we might know, you know, or who part of who we are, certainly part of the author. If any author tells you that they're not part, your all authors are their characters, every character. It's just like, we yeah, made them up. So of course, we're them, which can be scary. <laughs> when well, you read and them and that, like, oh, this evil, horrible person. It's you. It's me. It's nice to meet you. Yeah. Who is that? Like, what part of me would talk like that? Like, what part of me? Oh, right. But you have to go there you have to go there. Right. And you're, I think it's really interesting what you just said about nightmares. Cause I think, Oh my gosh, I don't really like my nightmares. So I don't know where some of them come from. And, but that's a, that's a great way to look at it that you're, you know, you're putting yourself through that to prepare yourself for if you ever have to and reading's the same thing. And I hate horror movies. I hate them because I hate feeling scared, like the jumping out behind but I love oh, how something. funny. Yeah. I don't want to be love scared. It. Oh, I hate, I hate, but I love the, like the movies, like I, you said, um, unsolved mysteries. I love that show or the movie mm -hmm. sixth sense where you're like biting your nails, yeah. edge of your seat, like suspense. I don't yeah. like the jumping yeah. out poltergeist stuff, but yes, no, I like the horror, the like, I'm gonna, right, right. They're different, right? They're it's very different. different. Yeah, for and sure. so to write about that, I never actually thought that you would have to be like scaring yourself in order to write it. Definitely. If you don't have the emotions as the author, you're not going to reach the reader. It's, you've got to be there. You've got to be there in the moment. You've got to experience it. Um, and you've got to feel it so that it comes out authentically. And yeah, yeah it's, I mean, at least, 
you know, emotion is story. That's you know, everyone Absolutely. says write about what you know. You you hear in the writing world, it's really what you know is being a human as emotions. You're writing about emotions. You don't have to have ever been an architect or an accountant, but you know right. what it feels like to get to work late or to get yelled at by your boss or maybe like, you know, you miss a deadline or you're fighting for a promotion. I don't know. Whatever those experiences are, those are more of the experiences that you're trying to write about. Not necessarily like ever having been that profession. Not everybody can be everything, but right. we can all be human and we can all have those emotions. And that's what you're writing about emotions. And if I had to write about fear, if you gave me an assignment and say you have to write a fiction story about fear, I would think about what it was like to have gone through my, a, a, an experience of my own where I was afraid. So that's kind of what you're saying you do when you write about this. That's incredible. Yes. Yeah. So, you just take an emotion and you play it out through characters. Mm -hmm. I love that. That's great. So you wrote in fifth grade. So what happened next? And then? And then, um, yeah, years and years went by. <laughs> I'm like, okay, now I have to get back to school and getting A's and going to college and doing right. that and this and graduate school. And I'm on like a whole nother troop trajectory. I'm in corporate America. I'm like, all, you know, doing, I'm like, I don't know how I got where I am, but I just went with it. It's like yep. a door opened and I'm like, that looks like a good door. I'm going through it. Let's check it out. And, um, and I got wherever I needed to be. And literally it was like, I mean, this, these things don't happen to me often, but it was literally, I was standing in my living room. I remember the day it was in 2010, now 10 years okay. ago. And I can't believe this where I literally had a, like a voice or a thought. I don't know what you want to call it. It wasn't like I didn't hear anybody like outside of me, but like in my head, a thought popped in my head that said, you need to write a novel. And I'm like, write a novel. Like I have only written short stories in like a million years ago. I'm like, I think I need to write a novel. And I literally said it out loud. My husband looked at me like, what you write? Like I didn't even know I wrote because you know, here I am living this whole, and I'm like, no, I think I need to do that. And I literally am just one of those people that once a decision is made, it's already done. It yeah. already had, it already happened. Right. So I started the whole found a writing group, went dabbled in short stories again, just started to get like comfortable, learned a lot. I knew nothing at zero about writing a novel. You just don't, I mean, I didn't know you just don't write, sit down and write one. <laughs> you don't no, just sit down and write a book. Like it just, it just, it doesn't happen like that. And most people, I don't mean to say most people, but many people who don't write think that you just go, ah, I'm just going to publish. No. So I went to classes at university. Yeah. I took classes online. I met with people. I had critique partners, blah, 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 blah. wrote my first book, um, got an editor, professional editor, that was highly recommended in LA who does big stuff. And I'm like, I'm hiring somebody good because I don't know what the heck I'm doing. And I literally got their edits back and was like, okay, I'm setting it on fire and never <laughs> writing again. And I told her that, like, I literally said to her, I'm setting this on fire and I'm done. And she's like, why are you doing that? I'm like, cause I, ha I have to do all of this work. And she's like, yeah, do the work, get back to work. I think I rewrote the book seven times. I'm not even kidding because I didn't know what I was doing. And I love writing and I'm a studious person. I am like a nerdy school kid. Like if I could go to school for the rest of my life, if you paid me just to go to school forever, I would be happy. Like that's, I could, I would have 10 PhDs. Like I love school. I had to learn. I had to really learn the craft. And by the way, still learning, never will stop. But yeah, when I finally got it to a place where she wrote back, no comment, but good job. I was like, <laughs> it's done. <laughs> 
Yeah. Now I'm like, okay, let's go get it published. I mean, I thankfully did get a publisher to pick it up, but it was, uh, that was shocking to me too. But then I'm like, I guess it actually isn't terrible because, you know, I did all the work, but that's, it, it takes work. It's work. Uh, it's a lot of it's work. It's not and just fun. And it is fun for writers because we love writing, but it, the work do. is fun, but it's work. It is work. Right? Um, it's oh work. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I, you know, I was lucky. This is my tidbit of advice for people wanting to write. I found a developmental editor who's also a coach. Mm. That's a big, that's a huge key. I had that too. Yes. That was among us. Changed me forever. Yes. Oh, right? I mean, so oh my God. I, that was the one thing that I hired and I... I had so little written and that's how I would tell people to do once you know you're writing a book and you know what that book's about you don't have to have the title hire the editor that's a coach because she told me I had to do an outline and I was like I haven't done an outline since like high school it's been 30 yeah. years right and she's like yeah and you're gonna do one again so good that you remember how from high school because you need yeah. to do it exactly like you did it and I was pissed at first I'm like I want to write a book I don't want to do an outline and she's like well you got to do the outline and I am like the outline lover now. I am just weird and geeky about outlines mm -hmm. because I know what a difference that it made in a positive way. And so my advice is like, get that person who's going to be on your butt and give you that feedback that I'm going to burn it feedback. You need that. I'm going to burn it feedback. Yeah, exactly. Like I'm burning it and I'm setting it on fire. And then they're like, don't yeah. do it. But here's no. what you need to do. And you're like, oh, that's a lot of work. Yeah. It's you a lot are. of work. And so respect <laughs> to the highest for all the authors because yeah. like, my God, what they go through. And so, you, you know, when I hear someone say like, Hey, I'm going to write a book over this summer. It's like, what? And you never wrote a book before. I'm like, maybe you're a Pulitzer prize winning author. I don't know. But what I do know is you better roll your sleeves up and you better get ready to get ripped apart into a million pieces. Yeah. Someone telling you, I mean, I literally would sit with my edits with a glass of wine and like, either tears or laughter. I don't know what was coming out, but I would be reading it like, what? And crying like, or laughing like, yeah, I'm an idiot. Okay, I'm gonna fix that. Like, it's right, just part right. of the process. Once you it go is. through like a rite of passage and then after that, you're good. It is, I mean, like, it is the proverbial author cherry popping because once that happens, I'm like, I'm always gonna do an outline and I'm always gonna have an editor that's coach. There's yes. like 100%. I want it torn apart and I want someone lighting a fire saying, don't burn yes. it, just do the work. Yes. And, and if I, I mean, people want to write their whole book and then find a way to publish it. And I think that's backwards, especially it if you backwards. want the title first, because your title, so many authors change their title in the process of writing the book. Not always, but often like mm -hmm. stop. Plus, if you focus on the title forever, you don't have to actually write the book. You're still like writing the book because you're coming right. up with the stop. Stop yeah. finding the title. Just get a developmental editor. Just get it done. Yeah. Do a freaking And have outline. people, someone who's going to push you and ask you the hard questions and be like kind of rude to you a little bit. Yes. Like, you know, like, yes. and I can take it. I don't care. I'm just Me like, too. bring it on. They're like, this is good. I'm like, I don't care what's good, what's bad. Let's get to it. Like, oh, this is, I don't right. care. Moving on. Moving on. What's next? Because yep. I don't want to know what's good. If it's good, let's move on. Like, it's fine. Right. Leave it alone. What do I have to fix? Where am I working? What, <laughs> what am I focusing on? Uh, and there's always something, but you're right. There's the coach always aspect made a huge difference for me. Huge, it like transformed huge. the way I did write. And it made Among Us a great audiobook because it sounds awesome read aloud. And not all books do, I don't think, because now that I know right. what it takes to have an audiobook sound good, my other books, I'm like, I might have to rewrite these before they go to audio because they really need to be much more like a movie than yeah. a book. 
exposition isn't that exciting in an audio. Like when you have action and it's in front of you, your, your face, like you can see it. Um, and that was my big post-it. My big post-it was, can you film it? And I had it everywhere. It was my ah. coach gave me that. Can you film it? Can and I would literally sit there. Can you film it? And I'd read the line. Can you film it? No. Let me rewrite it. Can you film it? And that, by the way, you, it's okay to tell part of a book. You don't have to all be showing. You know, showing versus telling. Showing it happen versus saying. But for the most part, I wanted the majority of my book to be action and visual, and that was my reminder. So it's like the little things like that that push you. And they're huge too. They're little things that make such, like you said, some of your books, you wouldn't want to put in audio. Right. Okay. I'm like, I have to redo them. I have to rethink this. This is not going to sound good because it's too, um, and, and it was good for what it was written as, but not thinking like I would actually write a book knowing it's going to be on audio because it just made me a better writer. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of what happened with Among Us. It, it, it ended up getting written at the end like audio because I knew it was it was going to audio. It was picked up by Audible as um, one of their projects for um, the university, ACX University and authors, you know, author education platform. So I'm like, oh my God, I'm not just publishing this. This is like going to audio soon. Like I need to yeah. really look at this. Yeah. And there's so many moving parts. I remember, tell me if you felt this way your first time. I remember thinking, um, being told, okay, one more thing. And I was like, wait a minute, how many one more things are there? Because this is like the 10th one more thing you've told me that needs to get done. You know what I mean? Like, what's mm -hmm. the Library of Congress? Why do I need a number for like, what is this stuff? Because until you've gone through that whole process, it doesn't mean anything to you. You have no idea. And I felt like there are so many one more things in writing a book that have nothing to do with the actual physical writing of the book. It can be daunting for people, but then if you have the right structure, yeah. it, it can be. I think once mm -hmm. you go through anything and you get it, you understand it, then you're like, ah, sure. the next time around, like I know all the one more things now. Mm -hmm. So there's no That's surprises, true. but yeah, but then Audible is a totally different level. Totally different way. And it's, uh, it's just, yeah, it's a different world, a different not, you know, sometimes there's crossover audience, but the audience can be completely different um, and just a different expectation. And so I'm yes. so glad I did get the coach for this book and they knew it was going to be audio because we, we did a lot of work to make sure it would sound good. So I want to throw something out there. I'm an ENFJ. Yeah. You're so an ENFJ. Oh. We're very so the only difference, the only difference is where we get our energy. You get your energy yes. from people, I get it from being alone. So I can be at a party and be like a party animal. I could be right. like this social butterfly, but like once I leave, I'm dead. I'm dead to everybody. And like, I'll tell people like, listen, we're going to so-and-so on Saturday. Don't, you're not going to find me on Sunday. Sunday, I'm sitting in the house staring at the wall because you will get every bit of energy I have. And then I got to come, I got to replenish it. So you get your energy from other people. So yes. this whole social disconnection must be really difficult right now with you, with the pandemic, because you're not like, it's not the same. Well, this is an HR question for you, actually. When this first happened, when the pandemic first happened, and all the introverts were like, um, this is going to be great. I finally get the life I've always wanted, right? I'm forced yeah. to stay home. I'm ordering everything online. And most of the people that I saw falling apart were the introverts that had said yeah. how great it was going to be. And I'm totally cool with it. It doesn't bother me in the least. So yeah. that's a very interesting introvert extrovert thing that I don't entirely understand. You can dive in with your psychology if you want. Um, yeah. Why? Because 
So I think it's not, I don't know the complete answer, like the scientific answer, but I have talked to a lot of people and I feel like it is refreshing at first to be home. And you're like, oh, I'm home. Everything's at home. I'm so, this is great. But you still need, it's harder for you. Like for someone who's an extrovert, a friend of mine who's an extrovert, it's like they take advantage of every opportunity they can to connect. Whereas I'm mm -hmm. completely shut down. Like you ain't, you're not hearing from me. I'm going to do these things and everything, but I'm not leaving my house. I am like 100% on lockdown. Like, and, and um, I actually, one of my blog posts was about this. It's like, I am like a psych, like crazy now with this. And to the, to the point where an opportunity connect, I have to go through my laundry list if I'm able to do it. Whereas an extrovert, I think it's like too important for them to connect that they're going to be balanced in however they do it. But with an introvert, at least with me, I felt like I absorbed everything so much that it was almost hard to go back. It was like, oh, yeah. now I'm and stuck. when you're now, all, how do I put my feet back in the water? Well, and even during it, if you, know, you have any issues with anxiety or depression, anything like that, when you're that much locked down, even for an introvert, that's not that's not healthy introversion. No, and so. No. Um, yeah, you need people. We all, I don't, whether you're an introvert or an extrovert, we need people. Yes. We need people. We need to be socially connected. No pe matter. People were asking you me in the first, that. and that's that's true. Yeah, people asked me in the first couple months if it was hard for me, and I'm like, no, I think there's so many opportunities that I, it's unbelievable. And I've worked from home for over four years, so I I was here anyway. I felt like everybody joined my party. So that's yeah, interesting sure. though. But yeah, that was just, I saw in your information that you're an INFJ. I was like, oh my gosh. Yeah, now, so funny. <laughs> you got picked up by a publishing company, which you said you're really, really, um, you're really happy about. And I self-published. So I do want to address that because there are pros and cons for both, but you love that. Did that, that kind of opened other doors or success? with other books in succession, was that helpful for you? So it was, I didn't know any better. Everybody I yeah. surrounded myself with, everyone I surrounded myself, nobody self-published anything. They were all like, okay. you have to get an agent, you have to get a publisher. I was like, all right, I guess that's what I got to do. And I did, and I was lucky to have, because okay. it isn't, it isn't as easy as it was when I think it was easier for when I did it. Okay. I did a Twitter pitch. I got a smaller press. They did a lot of work for me. I didn't, you know, they do the editing, they do the cover. They're like your champion. And um, they were willing to take all my books, like from that point forward. However, I realized in the process, I'm a little bit of a control freak and I was not able to let go <laughs> of things. And I did out of respect, because I'm also a rule follower. So I was like, okay, I signed a contract and this is what we will do. And we will do this. And I'm not thrilled about it, but I, you know, I'm good. This, I'm learning. This is my learning process. Right. I liked it because I liked somebody else handling a lot of this stuff. I didn't have time for like, okay, great. You're going yep. to have to find an editor. I have to pay. Everybody's paying me. I'm not paying anyone. That was the other part that was great. I didn't, you know, you have to pay for anything. Um, yeah. The thing that was tough is yeah, the control, the timing, things got pushed back. Things didn't work the way I wanted them to. I have zero control over it. I mean, it's my name on the book and in public. And now I'm like, Oh my God, this is not a good way. Not how I would show up in the world. Right. Yeah. Um, and nothing against them. It was just, they were, they got so big so fast and weren't able to handle every new authors that were coming in. And so over, okay. I think that but after publishing with them for two books, I asked for my rights back and I republished it myself. And then I've self-published everything else. Um, Among Us actually went out on submission 
when I found out from Audible, they were going to do the audiobook, which is great, except I needed the book published for them to do that. So I had to stop that process and indie publish that also. Um, I like self-publishing. Would I love to have a publisher again? Yeah, I like a little bit of both. I think mm -hmm. um, you've got to be able to give up some things. But if you're working with a good publisher who has a good editor, you're getting the best of the best and you're going to, um, you know, there's a benefit to that too. But you don't get to pick. You don't get to pick your cover artist. You don't get to pick your editor. Um, and if you don't like something and they say too bad, then you've got to go with it. So there's, you know, but in terms yeah. of doors opening, I don't know if it opened doors as much as it was what I like to call street cred. <laughs> right. It was my street cred that I wanted. I was a new author and I wanted somebody to say you're okay, you know, and because the publisher picked me, it said I was okay. So I'm like, I'm not terrible. I don't, I don't suck basically. I'm not the best, but I don't suck. But yeah, so it was what I needed as a person at the time for validation. I don't need that anymore. I right. can validate myself, but I also feel like from a business standpoint, if I were able, if I had the, the right book also for the market and I knew that it would be a good book, like I thought Among Us would be a great book for a mainstream market. And that would do really well. And I, that's why I chose to pitch it to agents because I'm like, this is a great book for mainstream. Like not all my books I didn't think were. Um, and it turned out to go down a different road, which is fine. Um, and by the way, so my shirt, I don't know if you can see, it says trust the timing of the universe. Oh yeah, trust, I love trust that. Trust the timing of your life. Um, spiritual gangster, if you're interested. So there's tons of stuff. I love spiritual gangster. But um, mm -hmm. my point is I had to trust this was the way it was going to go for me. And then maybe another book will go a different way. But yeah, I don't think there's a right or wrong, good or bad. It's like whatever works no. for you. And there is no, um, I did, I needed what I needed at the time. I don't need that. I don't think anybody, listen, and you need what you need, but I don't think just cause you're, you know, random house didn't pick up your book. You're not a good author. That's, that's not the case. There are, there are books that are right for certain markets and certain publishers and agents, and that's just business. It's business. I've yep. been to enough random house, open houses, <laughs> and seen enough editors and, and people mm -hmm. talking about it. It's business. It's all it is. It doesn't mean you're good or bad. You're talented or not talented. You're creative or not creative. You're successful or not. It just is business. You go down this road or that road. It's your choice. That's true. I want to talk a little bit about how you are every one of your characters and how badly you have to scare yourself when you're right. I'm not, I can't let go of that one because I had never thought about it before. So, and also the things that changed you the most in recent years, uh, your daughter and the coaching we touched on a little bit, which she was a surprise. So I definitely want to hear about that. But there was one, there's another thing that was um, a big thing that changed you. So let's dive in just a, a little bit about being every one of the characters. What does that feel like? Because you write these characters. I know, right? So um, you have every author is all their characters because it's coming from yeah. inside of you, right? You have to tap into something, you know, um, they're pieces of you. Like yeah. think of it as like, you're a million different things. You are a million different things. We are not just the five things in our bio or whatever. We're like a million different things that are always changing and mm -hmm. exploring and experiencing. So these are pieces. Um, it means you have to be, and I, I'm going to say naked because it's true, naked, open with yourself about stuff that is going to come out about who you are and your life that you don't realize. You don't realize it because you're writing. You're like, oh, it's a character. 
character and so-and-so did that. No, 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 no. The character came from you and your experience and your brain and your life. And when people say, are the characters in your books, people, you know, no, no. Every single person is made up entirely. I take a bit of this, a bit of that, and I put them together, right? But I have an idea of who they are, but essentially at the core of them, there's pieces of me in all of these people. You know, the, the, you know, the explorer me, the introvert me, the, you know, all the different me's, you know, the angry me, the angry me is a good villain. You know, I can really cut a throat. I mean, I can <laughs> dig a syringe in someone's neck if I need to, like I'm, I'm going for it. You know, like, I mean, I, I mean, I'm the kind of like, you have to laugh. Cause I'm so, I mean, if you knew me in real life, like this is me. I mean, my, and, and my husband would, there are days where my husband will wake up and go, like, what happened? What did you dream about last night? And I'm like, why? What happened? And he's like, you're screaming in the middle of the night. Do your effing job. Do your effing job. And I'm like, who am I yelling at? Because <laughs> I do not do that at work or anywhere. But it's like those pieces of you that I do not let out in inappropriate times, they come out in my book, you know? I and love so it. I'm killing people. I'm like, this is awesome. <laughs> You're going down. And it's just fun. Um, and not to kill people, but fun to write right. about. It's Listen, it is, let me tell you what it is. It's a therapeutic way to deal with anger. This is how mm. I do it. I am not a violent person. I'm not a, an, a mean person and angry. I'm not an angry person, but I feel anger. I have been through rage. I have been through sadness. I have been through loss. It comes out. This is therapy and it's through characters. So you can be creative. Yeah. So that's the fun part. I actually, that's a great description to talk about how you felt anger before. So this is you just getting to write about that, which, and take it to a level that you'd never take it to now normally. So tell me about the three things that were the most life-changing, especially recently. Your first book you wrote, what year? I'm looking. 2014 10. it was published. I wrote it in 2010. Yep. Yep. Okay. And so, yeah, jump in. So yeah, I think, and I, I mean, there's always some things that pop in my head, but I talked about, right, my mom passing away, yeah, the yeah. coaching and my daughter. Yeah. So, right. So I, my mom passed away, like hardest thing that ever happened to me, like just really, um, devastating. Um, but, and I'm not trying to put a silver lining cause there isn't one when you lose someone you love. But for me, I became a better person for losing her because I wanted to be a little bit of who she was. She was awesome. Mm. And I feel like I wasn't so, I wasn't that I wasn't a good, I don't mean to say like I was a bad person when she was alive, but I was just one of those people that was like a driven, passionate workaholic. That was it. Like I just, bu, 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 I gotta do what I gotta do. Da, da, da. I didn't stop to smell the roses. She always told me that. I didn't enjoy life. I wasn't a fun, fun and play were like, I, if I don't get my work done, I'm not playing. Like I had to get my responsibilities, number one, right? Mm -hmm. So losing her opened my eyes to a lot of things and I began to live more, live more oh. full, completely, love more, mm -hmm. be more open and also know like she's not here and I want to be a little bit more of her and I want to give the world what she was giving when I was off doing whatever I wanted to do and she was being like the soul in my life, you know what I mean? Being the good one. Um, so there was that. And then coaching helped me discover who I really am when, you know, you just, it layers come off of you. Like you just go down to the core of who you are and um, who you want to be. And it was like the best thing I ever did. Really hard year, but also fun year. And literally I finished coaching 
I'm done. I'm like, and all year long I'm going, I gotta let go of things. I got too much on my, I'm also somebody who takes on like a thousand things. Like I'm like, oh, I'm doing this, that, 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 that. like I'm doing a million things all the time. And all year long, I don't know. I'm telling myself, I got to drop this. I got to drop that. I have too much. I'm stressed out. The minute I drop it all, I, I dropped off. I was on a board for a writing organization. So this was in crime. I'm like, I'm done. I'm not doing it. It was my second year. I dropped out of something else I was doing. Like I just kept letting things go. Cause I'm like, I, it's too much. I'm feeling heavy. Yeah. Literally coaching ends. I get my, I graduate a month later. I'm pregnant. And I'm like, what? <laughs> Literally not young to be pregnant. Okay. Not something that I'm just like, Oh yeah, of course I'm 25. Like no, 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 no. Um, I could have a 25 year old. Okay. So I go to the doctor and I'm like, how the hell did this happen? <laughs> She's like, really? And I'm like, no, seriously, you <laughs> my age yeah. get pregnant, like without trying, like what? And she's like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it's, she's like, you're on trend. Every, people in their 40s, oh. well, I'm in my 40s, and their 50s are now having babies. Well, I was like, whoa, where did they? So yeah, it was like, holy crap, what do we do? Like, how are we going to do you know, I mean, we were like thrilled, but also like scared to death. Because we have our, you know, we, me and my husband, we've established our life. We have our dogs. We've got our house. We're like, this is, we just thought that was what was it for us, you know? And here we go, baby coming. And I don't know, something from the very beginning, because you know, anybody will tell you, and I'm sure when they're pregnant, they worry and it's like, we're going to go, go okay. And you know, you're, I never worried for a second. The minute I found out I was pregnant, I was like, it's going to be fine. And everyone's like, what? You're, you know, you're, you know, older. You're there. I said, I'm not, I'm not worried. It's going to be okay. I went to the doctor. They're like, it's like, you have a heartbeat. Six weeks, six weeks pregnant. I had a strong heartbeat. I'm like, baby's fine. Every, every single week, baby's fine. I'm like, I never, and I swear to God, I had the most perfect, healthy, beautiful, smart, awesome child. My mother sent me by the way. Um, but yeah, it's like, it was what was meant. I didn't seek it out. It came for me. And that was what was meant for me in this life. So I embrace it. Let's go with it. I'm not sleeping, but that's okay. <laughs> and you it's never okay. will again. <laughs> it's, you know, I read something that said less sleep, more love. And I'm like, yes. Yes. And more gray hair. They don't tell you that. Like how I have six inches of gray hair under this. Like no one can see that. Yeah. But it's more gray too and wrinkles, but that's another story. <laughs> yeah. That's a totally different. So life changing and just positive. Yeah. And even again, the negative I don't, it was negative. It's still, I wish, I wish I could have my mother here, but regardless, I will choose to make something positive in my life from something I couldn't control. That was upsetting to me, like truly changing me in a dark spiral where there, there was rage with grief. I mean, grief is a very uh, personal thing, but for mm -hmm. me, it was extremely rage, rage, anger, anger, sad, sad, like funk for years. And I was showing up, like, I like get up out of bed, lipstick on do, 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 and giving my best to the world, but inside dying, like literally dying and missing because I'm an only child. You know, my mother and I were close. She's a good, she was like my person and my person that like, if I needed some, if I had an anxiety, mm -hmm. I'm calling my mother. She right. understands, you know? So, um, but you just, I found ways to just honor her and have her live on for me. And um, now my daughter, you know, is a great example of that. I love actually that you said that losing her made you want to be a better person. All the good things that she was. Yeah. That's be, And I read incredible. something that said like, be, and then later on I read something that says like, be more of 
what you be more of the people you love that you lost, like be a little bit more of them. And I really hadn't thought of it that way, but that's what I was doing. It's like, I, she was so good. The world needs more of her. I can do that. That's what I can do. I can, I can be, and it wasn't that I wasn't a good person. I was always a kind person. She, she raised me well, but I was in my own head. Like I would just like go to the gas station, get my gas and leave. Like I was just like not present. Do you know what I mean? And when now I'm present, when I go to the gas station, I roll down my window, not as much anymore because you have to wear a mask and all this stuff, but hello, how are you? Truly interacting with human beings and being like who she would have been because that's what life is about to me now. It's like, I'm here. I want to leave you better off for having met me. Maybe not everybody because not everybody's going to like you, but I'm going to do my best, you know? I love that. That's great advice, actually. That's a great tool to use moving forward. And then you got to become more like her as a parent as well. Surprise. Shocking. I know. And I see myself and I'm like, oh my God. And I'm like, oh my. And I hear myself saying the things she used to say, like falling out of my mouth. I'm like, who talks like that? Like, I literally will be like, Lordy B. And I'm like, who says Lordy B? Not me, my mother. You know, and I have to laugh because, and she was from the Bronx and she's a thick New York actor. And I, you know, don't as much, but it comes out, you know, with a little wine yeah. or whatever. Yeah. And yeah, things just fall out of my mouth. And I'm like, what? Who said that? Like, bubala. Really? My mother all the time. Oh, my bubala. Like, meaning like, a, it's like a loving term for, you know, a little one. Where did that come from? She's in my ear. But little things like that where I'm like, she's with me. And, um, and that's great. It makes me feel good. But just funny. It's funny stuff. What is the best way people can get in touch with you or the best way you like to communicate? And um, so people know the easiest link to follow because I stalk you everywhere, but you know, you could be like me and stalk you everywhere or what's the best way to get in touch with you. And, and is there anything you want to leave us with? Yeah. So, well, the best way to reach me is on my website, christinarienzi.com. It has a link to my Facebook group, Ignite Your Inner Spark, which is a motivational, inspirational group where we just connect and share positive things. Um, And on my website, christinarienzi.com, there are my books, which are um, fiction right now, but I'm working on nonfiction. Um, And yeah, I'm on Instagram, Facebook, et cetera. And yeah, I mean, I just, I think, what can I leave you with? There are so many things. Um, I guess that the one thing I would say is just like I've always said, like, don't, you know, there's so many things right now to hold us back and so many things to be fearful of and just kind of stifling who we really are. And just don't let what's happening in the world put out the light inside of you. Whatever you can do to bring yourself joy, get that light going, light it up because who you are, the world needs. And just don't let that light go out. And I, I'm so sad to see so many people with their lights going out. It's like, light yourself back up. You're an amazing, awesome person who's worthy, who deserve, who has a right to be here, who has a purpose in life and who's needed. And just remember that. Always remember that. I'm writing it down. Thank you so much for being on, Christina. I appreciate you so much. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure. So much fun. <laughs>